Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Dynasty's Child. I know people are listening to this for advice, but I, sorry, I got nothing. Hosted by Keaton DeRocher. The field of dreams and the corn would be my chest hair. Featuring Shelly Verstraight. Bobby likes bouncy balls, doesn't he? And featuring Jordan Rosenblum. 30% more fish than I, I would have projected. And featuring Jake Devereaux. He has a very impressive package. Welcome to Dynasty Child, episode 109. Your flagship fantasy baseball podcast for the Dynasty Guru. Helping Dynasty, lo- Dyn- uh, Dynasty League owners one player at a time. I'm your host, Keaton DeRocher, from the Dynasty Guru and Over the Monster. Today, I'm joined, as always, by Shelly Restraint of TDG, Pitchers List, Rotographs, Prospects 365, and Jordan Rosenblum of TDG. Shelly, uh, you had you had a very a very special cake this week that I think our listeners can probably relate to. Yes. Um, so, I did this cake. Um, I called it uh, Prospects Will Break Your Heart. Um, and... Basically, it's like one of those uh, gravity cakes. So I had like this heart at the top and then like all of these little hearts were coming um, out of that one heart and falling um, all over this this cake. Um, it's kind of been something that I've been kind of wanting to do for a while. Um, but the cake itself was a red velvet cake. And then I had this dark chocolate uh, black buttercream on it. So it was like red and black. Uh, so yeah, it's been something I've been kind of wanting to do for a while, and it was my uh, it was my birthday cake to myself because my birthday was last week. Uh, so happy birthday! Thank you. Yeah. So my birthday cake, since I don't like cake, I just make something really weird and challenging. So that's my birthday cake. Nice. Yeah. Jordan, do you have a weird Finland observation from? Um, I think so, but you guys have to let me know if it's weird or not. Um, so <laughs> okay. On, on on leap on leap day in uh, in Finland, that that's when like a a woman can propose to a, a man if she wants. Like, well, I mean, you can propose whenever you want, but that's that's like the tradition, I guess. And if the man says no, then he has to buy the woman a wet a dress or, or something, a skirt. So is that? Is that, I think it was an Irish thing initially, but I'm not sure. But I definitely hadn't heard of that um, before I moved here. Does that sound like a thing to you guys? Um, it's I've, interesting. Yeah, I've heard of that, but 
Um, not about the buying a dress part, but I have heard about like, <laughs> <laughs> like a leap day or whatever. Uh, the girl can propose to the guy because, yeah, but okay, yeah, I guess yeah. I mean, the punishment. I guess the punishment fits the crime. Just a just a nice dress. Um, but yeah, so I, I learned. <laughs> I learned that. I learned that. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say that qualifies. That's a good one. That was a good nugget. Nice, nice. My weirdest one yet. Yeah. All right. So today is the last installment, I guess, of our uh, <clears throat> positional series um, with relief pitchers. So we will let the league first talk about the latest news and injuries and notes and spring training stuff. Then we'll go through our relief pitcher rankings. And then we got some listener cues. We'll hit those. Uh, and then um, we'll have to figure out what else to do for on this show going forward because um, we're out of positions. We're not going to talk about our DH list because uh, there's three names on it. I feel like we probably don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're probably good there. So uh, we will have some other form of structure whatnot. For the show, for our next one. So, But for our next one, uh, if you have any questions, you can submit them on Twitter, at Dynasty's Child, or via email, which we had a couple email questions this week, which was great, because we had been, it had been a long time since we had a little, little pop-up in the inbox there. That email address is dynastyschildpod at gmail.com. And if you would mind leaving us a five-star rating and a review uh, on iTunes or wherever your podcast platform of choice is uh, we got a new one and we love getting them. They make us so happy. My cats are just being a little extra obnoxious right now. So we'll, uh, we'll power through. Uh, we had a review from Dustin Cole who said, good, consistent show. I've been listening since around episode 30, which probably says I like the podcast in and of itself. And have heard them ask for review many, many times, so I figured I finally should give them the content they've given me. A good structure to the show that covers a myriad of topics. The hosts talk about themselves enough to make the show seem friendly without having a 10-minute intro. They also answer all my questions I submit on the show, which is very nice. Thank you for the review. And thanks for sticking with us. Episode 30, that was so many episodes ago. Glad you stuck with us. Yeah. Appreciate that. Alrighty, the league. Uh, one significant transaction of note: Freddie Peralta signed a five-year, fifteen point five million dollar extension with the Brewers. Uh, is he a reliever or is he a starter? And does he or does he not throw a slider, Jordan? <laughs> um, well, I think I might be one of among the world's biggest uh, Freddie Peralta fans. But um, he did. Yes. He debuted so young in the uh, in the majors that I think um, people have kind of harsh uh, expectations about uh, like how developed his third pitch has to be. Um, and one thing that you can say about him, I mean, his his strikeouts and and walk rates and swinging strikes um, and his like expected strikeout and walk rate metrics have been really good for a couple of years now. And if you can do that all with just two pitches, that means that your two pitches are really good. So if you can, I mean, he threw a changeup hardly, but if you can even get like an average third pitch, then the upside is huge. 
or even like a blow, even just like a usable third pitch. And I don't know that he has one yet, but given his, he's still really young. Um, and I, I mean, I like the Brewers' decision making process. Also, they're like a really smart organization. Um, so I definitely am, am buying Peralta. Uh, I've been I've been buying him every year. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep buying him. If he disappoints me this year, though, uh, that would be the third time he's fooled me. So then I think then I think I might have to reevaluate next year. But I'm all in on this year. Um, assuming that you're okay with a bit of an inconsistent role in the beginning, but I do think he's a starter long term. Fool me once. Shame on me, but teach a man to fool me, and I'll be fooled for the rest of my life. <laughs> Keaton, Keaton, Dur- where you're at, man. Keaton Durocher, yeah, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've always been kind of uh, intrigued by Peralta because it, it's, but it, like you said, it's it's very very up and down, and I just never thought that he would get that third pitch and. I, you know, went, uh, I just thought he would be a reliever. And when I saw that he was kind of uh, trying to add a slider down in the Dominion uh, Winter League, uh, Dominican, not Dominion, Dominican uh, Winter League, um, and it was like pretty effective. I was like, well, maybe he got something going here. But then he signed like this five year, 15 mil extension. So I'm like, well, does that make him a reliever? Because. You know that's it's not a not an awful lot of money, but in spring training it looks like he's actually throwing that thing possibly. So I, I don't know. Um, I think this is a really good deal for the Brewers, even if he is a reliever, because I think he could be a lights out reliever. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to watch a couple more of his spring training starts, see what's going on there. Yeah, I know that uh, Jordan is a big Peralta fan um, from our co-managing days last year in the TGFBI. <laughs> yeah, uh, he made sure that we went after him and got him. We also, I mean, we kind of went after every possible option for the Brewers' fifth starter last year. We ended up with Corbin Burns, Peralta, and Woodruff on our team. So, I mean, one of them had to work, right? Yeah, yeah, one, one out of three. That that's a pretty good. on to some injuries uh one that we kind of talked (laughs) about probably was about to happen uh on the last podcast uh and happened uh like hours after our last podcast was released luis severino got tommy john surgery how much does this affect his dynasty value shelly um I mean, honestly, it affects it a lot. Like, if if I had him anywhere, um, honestly, I would just try to trade him. Because he had, he just had Tommy John. He had shoulder stuff last year. And just, it's just, it's way too scary for me. And I would try to, uh, I would try to move on. Um, But if you still believe, uh, don't go after him right now. Wait about six months when the his owner is tired of seeing him on the um, IL. You could probably get him for, you know, two nickels or something like that. So, um, yeah, I'm just I'm just totally out. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, if I was rebuilding, I and I didn't care about this year at all, or if I had like a huge benches like five DL spots or something, I'd be fine stashing him. I think it's hard to trade a guy who just people are really impatient, myself included. Um, so it's hard to trade a guy that you have to wait a whole year on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a big hit to his, his value, and I think yeah, now or in six months, you should be able to get him on discount if you can afford, uh, basically if you can afford to hold him. Uh, Shelly, I wonder what you would look for. Um, like, uh, w- what kind of prospect maybe would you do one for one for him in like a medium depth league? Uh, mm, that's a good question. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I would go hitter because I, I think that the, the person giving up the hitter would probably not like to give up a, surefire hitter for um an injured pitcher essentially um so i'd probably try to get like a mid-level pitching prospect and just try again if that makes sense would you rather do uh would you do scooble for him if you had severino well yes yes (laughs) i I like scooble man he's so good yeah i had to ask about (laughs) scooble yeah well Jordan, does this change your mind <clears throat> mindset at all? I guess um, so. He only pitched twelve innings last year, so you're you've been waiting on him basically a season already, and now you'd have to wait another season on him. Um, I suppose if I already had him for one season, I, I would definitely be uh, way more frustrated. So you could get even even cheaper, but I, I don't think Tommy John is that risky. Like. The elbow, the elbow stuff is—I don't think—is that risky long term. The shoulder stuff is more concerning because his velocity wasn't all the way back last year. But uh, I think if I—I I think I might also like Shelley uh, take Scooble. Um, I'm also a Scooble guy, so. But I, I wouldn't—I wouldn't go that much lower than a guy like Scooble. Um, like I'd probably rather have Severino than like a pitching prospect outside the top ten. So I wouldn't do like Patino for him. I think I might, but I really like Patino. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, Griffin Canning had an MRI on his elbow that shows chronic changes. Canning said afterward that it's just normal wear and tear. Um, but that is uh, a bit concerning. Um, Shelly, do you think he pitches more than 50 innings this year? No, um, I don't. And it makes me really sad because I, 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 I mean, we kind of talked about him last week because I think it was Jake's underrated, underrated guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a really, he's a really good pitcher, but I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I saw that, uh, he actually had like some elbow concerns coming into the draft and that's kind of like why he fell a little bit. So add that on to this other stuff that we keep hearing. Ah, I, I'm super scared away. But and especially because he pitches for the Angels and all their pitchers always get hurt, um, unfortunately. Uh, I, I don't think that he throws more than 50 this year. Yeah, I think I'm leaning towards no also, but I don't really want that to be the case. I'm hoping that's not the case. 
Yeah. But I don't feel real optimistic about it. <clears throat> Jordan, are you uh, are you more optimistic than Shelly and I? Mm, I, I, don't, I think it's hard to be. Um, but I guess if you have him, you don't really have a choice but to just wait and see because uh, everyone's going to be too terrified at this point. So you're kind of stuck. I mean, one reason for optimism, I think Andrew Heaney last year um, – around this time had really ominous uh, reports, kind of similar sounding. And he, he actually stayed healthy. He had one of his healthier years. So it's not, I mean, it's not, he's not totally screwed, but uh, you, you're not, you got to just wait and see right now. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing for me was, I mean, he, inj- he didn't finish the, the year um, because of a elbow issue. So they shut him down and then you didn't hear anything throughout the entire off season. And then, like, his first start, then he has to go for an MMRI. Yeah, that, that's that's um, that's uh, kind of what happened to Severino there. So Oh, yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. I think just a small tangent, like, with Severino and Canning and Pardino, like, they all lost six months of development time. If they just had, like, if they all just had Tommy John right away, for example, uh, well, not that Canning is, is definitely going to have it, but uh, they would already be... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Half the way, half the way back by now. So it's, it's pretty frustrating. Yeah, it is. Yep. Blake Snell got a cortisone shot in his outer elbow. What is your level of concern here, Jordan? I think this is a little this is a little too close to home for me because I, I just actually I think a lot of us in TG in TDG uh, took Snell in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational and are relying on him to be our our ace. Um, I think Shelley also is with me there, um, so yeah. it's pretty it's pretty terrifying, uh, but. I mean, the reports tried to reassure us that it's a different part of his elbow than the other part that was bothering him. But, I mean, I, I really I would like to see him um, some more positive reports before I can really relax. Yeah, yeah, I am, I'm, I'm very concerned. Um, I thought it was a, he was falling. Um, he's been falling a lot. Uh, prior to this news in, in, in redrafts. And I really didn't know why, because he's, he's, even though if uh, surface level, like his stats were uh, just looking at it, it wasn't that great. But if once you dig in, it was actually better than his prior year. So he's like really good. Mm. Um, but I just, I just want to see him, you know, get back on the mound, throw a couple starts and not have any injury news snippets come out then i'm gonna feel better but until then um i i'm i'm very scared yeah i don't feel great about this either um i do not have him as my ace uh in tgfbi so i guess i'm one of the few tdgers who did not get him but don't feel great don't feel great about that. I guess uh, 
one good note for Tampa Bay is that they are loaded with starting pitchers. So they should be able to get through it, give him enough time to recover from whatever he needs to recover. But it's a bummer because I think all three of us talked about Snell on a previous podcast that we thought he was due for a bounce back to be much closer towards his uh, Cy Young form. But I'm less confident in that now. Yep. Aaron Judge, uh, his shoulder doesn't feel quite right. And Giancarlo is... uh, Now, I guess doubtful, probably not going to be ready for opening day with a calf strain. So who do you think plays more games in the outfield for the Yankees, Judge, Stanton, or Aaron Hicks? Shelly. I don't, I honestly, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say Judge here, um, but I'm not confident. Like at all. I mean, I know Aaron Hicks is going to even go to miss half the season because he had uh, TJ, but it's like, yeah, Stanton. He had. I mean, the, all the soft tissue stuff is just happening again, and then Judge is just doesn't feel quite right when he swings, and he's going uh, to New York, I think, to get a MRI or some other tests done. So. Yeah, when Judge is saying it doesn't feel right and the manager is saying, yeah, I'm concerned, that makes me very concerned. Um, But I I guess I'll say Judge plays more games, but it's going to be probably close for all of them of not playing many at all. Does this pave the way for Clint Frazier to finally shine? Jordan? Um, I think... I mean, uh, these injuries, I think, I don't know that Stanton's, they seem kind of fluky to me. Like, so, I, I mean, they could keep happening, but I think I think he should. I, I'm definitely hoping for, or counting on big things from him this year. Um, Judge's shoulder, I guess, is more recurring, but I still, I'm not that worried yet. But um, I do think Frazier, he's destined to get a shot this year, uh, whether it's with the Yankees or elsewhere. Um, and it remains to be seen whether he'll run with it. I, I don't know that he's, I don't know that the Yankees see him as like a future, uh, like the future of their outfield anymore, given his defensive issues. But, um, yeah, I would, I would definitely like to see him get, uh, like a, a ton of at bats this year. Let's see what he's got. Me too. Uh, Emmanuel, did we figure out if it's class or class A? Class A. Class A, okay. He's out 8 to 12 weeks with a, um, a what? A terrace? A terrace ma- major. It's something like, it's the exact same that thing that Clevenger had last year. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, so does that give Brad Hand a longer leash there as a closer? Um, I think so. Um, we are going to talk about, uh, Mr. Hand, uh, later. Um, I'm, and, uh, basically, um, I'm, I'm not really a fan and I thought that class A or Karen Jack, it was going to take the role from him. Um, but yeah, so I think the leash is, uh, much longer for Mr. Hand. I think so too. Well, there's also, uh, what's his face? Uh, Karen Jack's there, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I would love to see him um, as a closer. I think it'd be really fun. Dude's, yeah. dude's awesome to watch. Jordan, do you have any thoughts on Rad Hand? Um, I, I still, no? I mean, I still like Hand. I think uh, Karen Jack and is Karen Jack is also really good. Um, but teams, I, I don't trust the Indians to necessarily use their best reliever as the closer. So I don't think the argument is really who's better between those guys. I think it's more like who's um, who are they more likely to just arbitrarily choose? And I guess they'll just go with the veteran. They might prefer even to have. Karen Chak, who seems like otherworldly, um, like not of this earth, uh, they might prefer to use him uh, whenever they want in the highest leverage situations. That's a good point. Good call, Jordan. <laughs> Thanks. Andrew McCutcheon and Chris Sale will not be ready for opening day. Uh, Roman Quinn, Adam Hazley, and Jay Bruce. Anybody have interest in one of those names? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because Jay Bruce, um, no. Uh, Roman Quinn can't stay healthy. And I mean, I like Hazley, um, but he's just okay. And then, you know, as soon as Kutch comes back, he goes to like a bench roll. So. I guess if I had to choose, um, I think I'd choose Hazley. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Yeah, I guess for just for like a, a week or two, they as long as they get playing time or Hazley gets playing time, he'll be a fine like fifth outfielder. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Sale had pneumonia. So he got a late start to spring training and the Red Sox wanted him to have a full six starts and a full ramp up. Um, to get ready for the regular season because of the disaster that was last season. So he will miss. He could potentially be activated because they can retroactive uh, his 15-day DL. So he actually could be activated for the home opener, which means he would only miss one uh, turn through the rotation. Um, I guess depending on how, I don't know what the ramp-up schedule for him looks like. But um, are you uh, real concerned with uh, Chris Sale not being ready for opening day, Jordan. Um, I think it's kind of kind of nice actually because it, it allows like a <clears throat> um, a buy low window on Sale, and he's still by far the cheapest ace. Like of the guys that could give you like top the top li- like Cy Young performance, Sale is by far the cheapest. Part part of that is is a rightful concern around his um, his arm health, but uh, pneumonia is not. Um, it's not actually an arm injury, so I, I don't, I'm not too worried about this. I think it actually could um, be a good buying window. Uh, I am a little worried. It seems like the Red Sox, if they had the option, would just skip this season entirely. So if they, <laughs> if they get that option, then yeah. that would be a shame. But uh, assuming they actually are forced to play, uh, I think Sal, Sal can, I, I, I think he still can be like put up a Cy Young uh, year this year. Uh, maybe it's just me being a Red Sox fan, and I'm just totally scared about anything when it comes to Chris Sale's arm and arm health. Um, yeah, um, I'm I'm I would not want to draft um, him in a redraft league. 
and I don't even know if I'd want him in a Dynasty League, just because it just scares me uh, so much. Um, uh, and I, I don't think that it's going to end well. Uh, he'll probably come back, and he'll look really good, and then his arm will start hurting again, and we'll all cry. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm staying very, very far away from Chris Hale. I am more of the Jordan mindset. I think that because it was not pneumonia of the arm (laughs) that he'll be okay. And I like that they're giving him a full ramp up. Um, And so I think he's going to have be a more successful pitcher than not this year. So, yeah, I, I, I really hope so because I mean, he had like a really, really good stretch last year where he was like, you know, capital letters, Chris Sale, right? And then when his arm started to hurt, started to be a little bit more roller coaster Chris Sale. Uh, so I, 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 I hope that um, I am totally wrong about this. If the, uh, if the industry, if the fantasy baseball industry had a, had like a dollar for every word written about like Chris Sale's fluctuating health and velocity last year, uh, we would all be wildly rich. Um, I, it's it's pretty funny to to, to see everyone like uh, like basically going crazy over every piece of news with Sale. He's such a he's such a roller coaster ride to own, um, and I think his upside justifies that. I guess. Oh my god, the TDG slack was a nightmare last week. <laughs> That's brutal. Alrighty. Uh, more brutal than Chris Sale's health hot takes are relief pitchers. So let's talk about them. <laughs> Our top 10 relief pitchers. Number one, Josh Hader. Number two, Roberto Osuna. Number three, Edwin Diaz. Number four, Kirby Yates. Number five, Rawls Chapman. Number six, Liam Hendricks. Number seven, Brad Hand. Number eight, Ken Giles. Number nine, Kenley Jansen. And number 10, Craig Kimbrell. Shelly, um, let's do uh, overrated first. All right. Well, um, my overrated, we kind of brought him up earlier. Um, it's Brad Hand. Um, we had him ranked uh, seventh, um, which, you know, it's pretty high. On a uh, dynasty ranking, um, and I mean, he did have a pretty decent half season. He had a career high in saves, um, but a career low in innings. Um, so in the first half, he had a two seventeen ERA, a two forty seven uh, WOBA, and a thirty point six K to BB ratio. And he was able to keep the ball in the park with a point four eight home run per nine. And then he started to lose Velo on his four seam. He lost about a mile per hour. And uh, he also missed a bunch of time with um, something that he and the Indians called, called dead arm, which I thought was kind of odd because usually pitchers have like this dead arm period in the beginning of the season. Um, so it was just kind of weird timing for did arm but yeah and 
Also, he started walking more batters and giving up home runs. Um, and all those things are definitely something that you don't want a reliever in a, in a reliever. And then they also have James Karinchak and uh, Emmanuel Classe when he's healthy, uh, probably breathing down his neck for some safe chances. And I do think that this is uh, Hans' like last year of his deal with the Indians, so then he's going to go into free agency with maybe some sketchy-looking numbers this year. So from a dynasty standpoint... Um, if I, I mean, if I wasn't like in contention, I would definitely try to trade Brad Hand. I try to hand him off to someone else because I don't think that um, he's really going to be valuable much after this year. So yeah, I think uh, Hand is kind of overrated. I think. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> Jordan, why don't, why don't you give your two cents? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Hand is still, I mean, he's only 29, um, and I think he's still really good, but I, I do, I do think that he's not the, I, there's a good chance he's not the best reliever on his own team anymore. Uh, I'm really excited to see what, what Karen Check has in store. Um, so I guess that makes his risk, I guess I agree, his risk is um, higher than some of these other guys. Um, but I think, I, I guess I would still have him in the top 10, uh, maybe at the back end. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I guess I'm not, I guess I don't have strong feelings either way, but I maybe side with the Overrated based on, uh, you know, Shelly pointed out the pitchers behind him, and he may not have the job for very long. So. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That makes sense. I'm with it. Um, my overrated uh, is Emilio Pagan. So when we made these lists originally... Um, he had not been traded and he was the closer for Tampa Bay. But, um, when we originally made these lists, they were, it was like back in November, December, whatever. Then we finally got to our relief pitcher discussion, um, which was actually only like a couple of weeks ago. Um, because relief pitchers go last and he had been traded. And so we moved him down 
from where he originally was, which I don't remember where he originally was anymore. But I don't think we moved him down far enough. So he is at number 16. And there's like seven guys immediately behind him who are all guaranteed to have like 20 plus saves uh, in pretty uh, relatively stable closing situations. Um, and I don't know if Pagan. I mean, as long as he's with San Diego, there's like no chance he's getting saves because Kirby Yates is the man. So um, I know that he is a very, very good reliever and he will do great for your ratios. But if he's not getting saves, I think we got to ding him more than we did. Um, this is a, this is a huge hit to his fantasy value. Him going from being the closer of Tampa Bay, who um, he should have been able to rack up. Close to 30 saves, the amount of games that team's going to win, um, to now just being a setup man in San Diego where he has really – the only hopes that he has of picking up saves now is if Yates gets hurt. I don't think we we dinged him hard enough for that. So having him at 16, we have uh, Archie Bradley right behind him. Will Smith, I guess, is kind of in the same situation, but I feel much more – confident that will smith by the end of the year will be the closer than i would uh pagan being the closer in san diego but then right after is doolittle uh, alex colome hansel robles brandon workman joe jimenez um all those guys are gonna get saves uh and probably for a while so i'm surprised that we still had pagan in the top 20 really um if he's not getting saves and really has no no little spark of hope that he will get saves. Am I am I overreacting to the trade? Uh, no. Um, I don't think so. Um, but basically because I think he's like the th- second option behind um, Yates uh, for saves. But I honestly think, um, like, this is, like, maybe, like, one of my bold predictions. I think Kirby Yates gets traded this year. Because, yeah, because it's the last year on his deal. And I don't think that the Padres are quite there yet. So I think that they trade Yates. And then maybe if Pomeranz is still doing what he was doing in Milwaukee, maybe he'll get some saves. Or maybe someone else who I'm going to talk about later who might. Um, but I, I there is a chance where he could pick up a little bit more saves, but definitely not what he was going to get in Tampa. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's a good overrated. Should have put him down a couple more spots there. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you guys. Um, there are plenty of good, there are plenty of really really good setup men that are better than plenty of closers, but none of them are in the top thirty, and they shouldn't be because they don't get saves. Um, so I guess I think we just it was just us kind of underreacting, or a little a little bit slow to react. Maybe we're dynasty is collectively in denial, um, seeing Pagan traded away like that, and it's, it's pretty harsh. I mean. At one moment, he's he's looking like a closer on a really good team, and two seconds later, he's a he's like a, a valueless setup man in a in um in a saves league at least. So so it goes. Yep. 
Jordan, who is your um, overrated? My overrated is Alex Colome or Colome. That's how Keaton says it. I'll say it how Keaton says it. But uh, he's at <laughs> he's at twenty. Um, I think he's just based on talent alone. He's I think he's the worst reliever in our top twenty five. Um, I think the White Sox on the on the bright side they look like they're trying really hard to compete this year, and there's not a really great option to o- overtake Cologne. But if he struggles, I mean, only one projection system has him with an ERA below four, um, so he's just pretty mediocre for a reliever and if he struggles they're going to try someone else maybe it'll be bummer uh, maybe c-shack uh maybe they'll try to trade someone i could see them getting aggressive at the deadline if their first half goes as well as they're hoping um there's definitely a lot of enthusiasm in chicago right now um and if the first half goes poorly then uh Cologne is a, is a free agent in 2021 so they'll probably trade him to a contender and there are very few teams that he would close on besides the White Sox. So uh, I would have him lower, lower than that. And I think at most he'll, he'll be a closer for this whole year. Um, and he won't be a closer again after that in his career, probably. Yeah, I think we were saying that about Fernando Rodney for about like a decade. <laughs> Yeah, and he has that Rays connection, so <laughs> there you go. He'll be the guy who's just everyone just doesn't believe in, and he'll just keep going and going <laughs> like the Energizer Bunny. Yeah, <laughs> there, uh, there would be – I've seen crazier things for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Relievers are so yes, much fun. They're quite fickle beasts. Yeah. Uh, Shelly, who is your underrated? Um, my underrated is uh, Seth Lugo. Uh, we had him ranked uh, 33rd. Um, so I'd kind of move him up a couple spots because, I mean, he doesn't have a closer's role. Um, but there is a chance that he might uh, because he really picked um, picked up the Mets in the second half after Edwin Diaz kind of crapped the bed last year. Um, and in the second half, he had a 195 ERA, a .196 WOBA with a 34K uh, to uh, BB ratio, which is pretty good. Um, and just kind of like just looking over everything, there's like nothing like extremely fluky that kind of comes out in the numbers here i mean there's it's not like a crazy just weird fluke uh he's he's just like a really really uh he's just a really good reliever and there there is a you know a non-zero chance that uh he can pick up some more saves um but even if he doesn't you know he usually gets more than one inning at a time um, so he could probably rack up a pretty interest, a pretty good amount of innings, maybe like, you know, 90 to a hundred innings, um, with pretty good ratios and pretty good strikeouts. So it might pick up a save here or there. So I don't know. I just, Seth Ligo, he's, he's, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Do you think there's any chance that he, um, pitches in the rotation this year? I think the Mets 
mentioned that they they might give him a shot to start again, but they have a lot of starters too, so. Yeah, yeah, because they have like Mats and uh, Pretty Ricky <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. Waka. Yeah, so I, I, I think that he's going to be in a yeah, bullpen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I like Lugo. Uh, he, we actually, we've talked about Lugo pretty extensively on the podcast. Uh, way back around, like, episode 30, <laughs> um, Ian made a passionate plea for Lugo to be higher in the rankings as well. Um, I think since then, he's been he's gotten even better. So I think he's kind of like... Um, Hater of, I mean, this is. Let me finish the uh, the comparison before you tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> but uh, in that he could be an extremely good closing option, but doesn't have the opportunity at the moment. Like Hater was, and can be that multiple inning guy before the closer, like Hater was before he eventually got the job because of uh, Kniebel's injuries. Um, so if Diaz ends up struggling again like he did last year. I wouldn't be shocked to see Lugo kind of excel in that role either. Yeah, and I think that the Mets would go with Lugo over Batanzas, I think. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on how Batanzas looks, to be honest. I don't Mm -hmm. have much faith in Batanzas, so. Yeah, I think he's much better in the, from what we've seen is Batanzas and when he's been given the chance to close, it hasn't been pretty. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I think I would trust Lugo over Batantis. Yeah. Uh, my underrated is Brandon Workman, who we had at 22. Now, Workman was a bit of a curious case. Um, last year, he didn't really take over the closer role until after the All-Star break. Um, and what's interesting is he actually... So the Red Sox, uh, because their bullpen was so good last year, they actually had two people in the top 10 of blown saves. Uh, They had Matt Barnes, who blew eight, and they had Brandon Workman, who blew six. However, four of those six actually came before he was the closer. So um, once he became the closer, uh, in August, he was uh, four out of six in save opportunities, and in September, he was seven out of seven with a 0.00 ERA. Pretty strong. So once they had kind of figured out their roles and actually let the bullpen play out every day, he really, really excelled as the closer. His stuff is really, really good, too. Um, His one issue really is his walks, though. Um, On the season, his walks per nine was over five, um, which is a lot, which is way too much for a reliever, if I'm being honest. It's quite a lot. But... Again, when he took over the closer role, he actually, his strikeouts increased, his K per nine increased, uh, and his walks slightly decreased. So it was kind of, um, once the Red Sox stopped just messing around by doing their entire bullpen by committee and actually said, this dude is going to be our closer, this dude is going to be our setup man, this guy is our bridge, long relief, whatever. Once they actually gave people their roles, 
everything kind of settled in, and he almost really like doubled his strikeouts once he became the closer. Um, in the same amount of innings, um, the, the couple months previous, he had 13 strikeouts, 16 strikeouts, 16 strikeouts, and then in August and September, he had 20 strikeouts and 18 strikeouts with the same amount of walks or a couple less. So it actually kind of ticked down a bit, and the strikeouts went way up. So coming into this year, he's this he's the full-time closer. So getting to see uh, the stuff that Workman showed us at the end of the year, just the last two months over the course of an entire season, um, I think Workman's actually going to have himself quite a year here as a closer. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, because, I mean, while I, I, I do like Matt Barnes, I understand his uh, his uh, place, and it should be, uh, like, in the eighth inning kind of thing, because he just, it just, bah, bah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to snag uh, Workman um, kind of in, like, that second wave of... Um, closer run um in like redrafts um because uh yeah um i i i still kind of believe and there's really no one else i don't think in the red sox because i'm not sure how i feel if about dorinzen hernandez i don't think that he's quite closer material yet if he gets there um so yeah i think it's kind of forkman's job to lose yeah he had I mean, his walk issues were really bad. So his his walk per nine were five point six five, which is terrible. But he has a ground ball rate over fifty percent, and his home run to fly ball rate was two point six percent. So the ball just does not go in the air when people actually make contact. Uh, and his batting average against uh, was <sighs> just flip screens, and now I lost it. Well, for the month month of September, it was point zero eight eight, but uh, that wasn't for the season, though. So, I guess there's that. And yeah, no, I lost it. I just lost the whole thing. Darn it! Well, it was low. It was very low. Basically, my point is, he gives up a lot of walks, but that's it. That's all he does. <laughs> Doesn't give up a, a very much contact uh, at all, and the contact that he does is on the ground. So. Uh, the walks really don't come back to hurt him much or often at all. So um, if they continue to be an issue, um, then maybe that changes a bit. Um, but with his success rate on ground balls and limiting contact in the air, if he's able to reel that into something a bit more respectable, then, I mean, that's only going to benefit him even more and he'll be even more effective. So I would only expect things to get better for him. Yeah. And, uh, I think, I, I think I, I like, I mean, I really like Barnes and I think he's uh, superior to workmen in terms of talent, but they've never, the Red Sox have never really wanted to fully commit to him. I mean, they were even using Brazier, over him as a closer for a while. So I think that even though I I probably, unlike you guys, prefer Barnes' talent, um, I still think the Red Sox will try to stick with Workman in the ninth. Um, because it seems like they, they prefer Barnes, like the, the flexibility with Barnes being able to use him in different situations. 
Yeah. Uh, Jordan, who is uh, your My underrated is, under- is uh, Tigers Joe Jimenez. Um, his minor league numbers, he's kind of like the Chris Paddock of uh, relievers because his minor league numbers are like uh, – they're like – the, they're like the best they're they're like top uh 99th percentile um super good and his major league numbers um are better than people realize um his swinging strike rate is elite his uh he gets a lot of foul strikes too which is a good thing um he he gets he doesn't throw very many balls and he's he has good control his expected strikeouts and walks are, are really good uh, at 33% expected K percentage versus, um, let me see, versus 32%. And and his walk percentage was uh, 9%, but his expected walks were 8%. Um, so I think he, he's a dude that's underrated based on um, how he's done. Because his ERA was a little over four last year, but his talent is much better than that. The one risk with him is... A lot of times when you find, like, I think he can be kind of like the Nick, next Nick Anderson sort of sort of thing. Uh, but a lot of times when you find a reliever like that, like a really good reliever on a bad team, and you're like, all right, this job's his for the taking. I could trust I could trust this guy. And then the Rays come in, and they trade for that guy. Because the Rays, they look at a lot of the same stats that <laughs> I think uh, we do. Um, so the Rays have already been a- a- attached to Jimenez also. So... I wouldn't be surprised if, if something like that happened, but I still think it's relatively unlikely. And I think uh, Jimenez is a rare, uh, talented option that has real no real competition for the role. I definitely agree. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a good one. Uh, Shelley, who is your favorite relief pitching prospect, if you can even identify one? <laughs> uh, well, I can't <laughs> uh, because I mean, it, relief pitching prospects. I mean, unless you're like uh, Kenley Jansen or Craig Kimbrell back in the day, um, it, you don't really see too many because usually relievers are just like uh, failed starters. Um, so I kind of brought um, quite a few um, of guys who 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 might be interesting relievers at some point. Um, so Andres Munoz, uh, for the Padres, uh, this guy throws a hundred plus, uh, he's like really, really, really nasty. And like I mentioned earlier, um, I, 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 I would not be surprised if, uh, Kirby Yates is traded. So this guy, if he could beat out, uh, Drew Pomeranz, um, he might be able to get some, um, saves. Um, and then there's a guy in the Cardinal system, Griffin Roberts. He has like this really, really, really nasty slider and should move, um, quickly, uh, through their system. It just, um, he's kind of missed some time because of, um, some, you know, marijuana drug suspensions, but, uh, uh, he could possibly be something. Um, uh, Christian Javier, um, he's currently a starter with the Astros, um, and I mean, I really like him like from like a number standpoint, but I've watched a couple of his like minor league starts and one of his spring training starts. And I kind of agree with some of the scouts that say that he's probably going to be a reliever because he doesn't really have like overpowering stuff, but he gets away, uh, with, 
deception. Like he has like this really weird delivery that can kind of like really hide the ball well. Um, and I think that's how he gets like a lot of his strikeouts. Um, so he might be an interesting uh, reliever at some point. And then kind of a far away guy, um, Alex Manoa. Uh, he was just drafted by the Blue Jays, and uh, he was a reliever for uh, I think it was West Virginia, but he was their closer uh, in college. And um, I, I just I, I I just don't know if he is going to make it as a starter. I'm still kind of I just need to kind of see him uh, live to see what I think, um, but. Either way, I would still take a flyer on him because he could still be a starter. Um, but he's a really he's a big boy. He's six six two sixty, so he's a he's a pretty large man. Um, so those are some interesting possible relievers at some point. I went with uh, Durbin Feltman, who had a really bad year last year, uh, and who I definitely know is going to be. Um, a reliever, if slash when he makes it to the major leagues, but his slider is super good. It is a beautiful pitch. Um, he has a pretty decent fastball, but his slider is really it for him. And <clears throat> that two pitch mix is just really sexy. So, um, he had a really bad year at double A last year. Hoping he can kind of turn that around and maybe, um, pop up the majors here pretty quickly. But I just, uh, his slider is just really, really good. So I don't know if I feel great. About him, as uh, as great as I did last year this time, but um, he's definitely going to be a reliever. So I guess there's that. But as someone who uh, might be a reliever, uh, Luis Gill of the Yankees throws incredibly hard, has really good stuff, but is short. It's like five ten, uh, and has walk issues, and so the, that usually translates into a high leverage reliever. So. Um, the Yankees are going to give him every chance to start, uh, and so far have, um, kind of like D.B. Garcia, who I think is also short. Um, and also probably a reliever. <laughs> yeah, and also probably a reliever. <laughs> so I guess there's a couple in the Yankee system, but, um, they're at least going to give him a chance. Um, but of the two, um, as I think, I feel more confident about Garcia's ability to start than I do Gil. So I think, um... Gill would be a uh, better option if you're trying to to target like a reliever in a, in a few years down the road, but uh, because he is starting now and he's still only like twenty something, um, probably hard to get in a trade. Because I assume, it yeah, I don't know. Relievers are hard, man. Yeah. Jordan, did you did you have um, any that you yeah, thought of? I I, I feel like I. They come on my radar like when they're on the cusp of the majors, so mine all have a little bit of major league innings. Um, Nick Birdie is on the Pirates. Um, he had a serious uh, surgery last year, and he, he's been he missed all, basically the whole year. Um, but he's apparently healthy. Um, they're cautious. They're cautiously optimistic that he's re- going to be ready for spring. Um, the Pirates don't have that much competition. I mean, Kella is there, but if Kella is good, he would be a great trade chip for them. Um, so I think you can definitely see Birdie getting getting saves this year. He's really good in the minors. He's got really good uh, pedigree. His stuff his stuff is um, is really good. So if he's healthy, I could see him getting saves this year. Um, Austin Adams is another guy on the Mariners who is uh, he uh, he's just elite. 
Um, I think I think he's really underrated and it's just so much better than any any other arm in the Mariners pen. He's also dealing with injury. He had like a knee um, a knee surgery, so it's not clear when he's going to be back. Um, but I think you could see him getting saves in July and and on. Uh, and um, I mean, just if you just listen to his zips projections, for example, which are based on his stats um, in the minors. Um, 14.4 K per nine, 5.4 walks, uh, 3.19 ERA. Um, and basically all the projection systems like are like that for him. Uh, he's just been super good um, his minor league career. And yeah, and his major league, I mean, even in the majors, he's been, he's been pretty good. I like it. Yeah. That does it. That wraps up relief pitchers and our positional series. Woohoo! We Everything. did it. Yay. We made it through hashtag ranking season <laughs> 2020. Whew! Now we get to take a break for like a couple months, and ranking season for 2021 mm-hmm. is right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, on to listener questions. First up is Chris. You have one stash spot and a 15-team standard mixed roto. Which prospect are you drafting in the last round, anticipating to contribute to a championship? Nick Madrigal. Um, Dylan Carlson. I wanted to say one of the Ooh, pitchers. That's a good one. I wanted to say one of the pitchers, but I, I I don't know. I'm thinking that they might go yeah. before the last round. And yeah, I just took Carlson in like too. the 12th round. So um, I guess that was too. Or maybe it was like Whoa. the 15th round or something. But but not not quite the last round. Um, I would go with last round. I'll go with like one of the sleeper pitchers who have uh, incredible stats in the minors. Uh, Bailey Ober on the Twins. Um he he was like the minor league. So just today, I released a, a CS called strikes plus swing strikes for minor leaguers, and uh, I think Bailey Ober was uh, number one basically. So he's I think he's awesome. He's underrated. <laughs> tricky, tricky. Nice. Uh, and then a couple email questions. First is Aaron Kruger. I uh, love the podcast. Great group of analysts and some great deep dives. I'm in a head-to-head points league that penalizes one point for strikeouts and rewards two points for steals. Ooh, nifty. I like that. Uh, who is the better choice as a keeper? Uh, no penalty for keeping players. No restriction on years to keep. Historically, only nine MLB players have had multiple 50 home run seasons. Is it possible that we've already seen Alonzo's peak? Bo Bichette. Is he a better keeper choice versus Pete Alonzo? Um, no, no, because I don't think Bichette's actually going to steal as much as we are hoping. Um, so I'd rather have uh, I'd rather have good old Pete. Good old Pete yeah, Alonzo. I'm with you there. I think. Um... Alonzo, even if it was his best year last year, I mean, that's fine. As long as he keeps doing stuff like that. I mean, that was an amazing season. I don't think anyone would complain if he just uh, did what he did last year for the rest of his career. (laughs) 
Uh, no, I don't think people would complain. <laughs> um, I am right there with you. And, I mean, the difference in strikeouts, too. Uh, Bo Bichette had a K percentage of 23%. Um, and Alonzo's K percentage was 26 So Bichette would actually have to steal like, kind of a lot to really put himself over that much. So it's not like um, that 3% is going to like drag Alonzo's worth that far down based off of everything else. So I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm on mm-hmm. uh, Pete Alonzo. I do love Boba Chet, though. Those are two great options. <clears throat> uh, Matthew Taylor. Hey, guys. I have been co-managing a team in a 17-player keeper league uh, that I think... It's been going for 15 plus years now. Ooh, that's a long one. Nice one. Uh, My co-manager and his wife are having an actual child very soon, and he has entrusted me to run our dynasty child, Mm. (laughs) excuse the pun, this year. (laughs) Love it. Uh, I'm feeling the pressure and need some advice. I have two questions. First, what is your philosophy regarding relief pitchers? Perfect pod. Uh, During years which you are trying to contend, I do not enjoy keeping or trading for closers, but they are definitely needed to win a title. Uh, yeah. Uh, when it comes to keeping closers, um, unless it's like one of the elites, um, I usually don't, uh, keep them. I usually, uh, drop them and try to look, uh, for the next hot thing, um, in the, uh, draft that comes up. Um, but trading for closers, I'm totally for it, especially if you're contending, um, because you do need those stupid little saves to to win, uh, typically. Um, so yeah, I'm fine with trading and fine with not keeping. How far down the list do you consider elite? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I very rarely keep. My relievers probably because <laughs> I, I don't usually have don't any good ones. have any of the elites, so I don't. I'm curious what you would consider. Um, I mean, I guess so. I'm looking. I guess would you go to six Liam Hendricks, or would you not even go that far? It's like stop at four Kirby Yates. Um, I kind of like Hendricks. That's probably be where I would stop. Yeah. And it, it also takes into account, like, team context, too. Because if I still, still, I didn't really feel too terribly comfortable with my closer, but he had, like, no one really behind him and was on a pretty good team. I think I would still, I would hold my nose and keep him. Um, so it, it all, it with a lot of decision, it depends on kind of everything. Yeah, I think I think relievers are a really interesting philosophical uh, dilemma, sort of, because they basically, even in a dynasty league, they're basically redraft assets. Um, so you basically have this huge... They're the biggest uh, short-term versus long-term decision you'll ever have to make because their value is so contextual. Um, and and they're also they're, they're very volatile. Um, I, I basically, if I'm contending, I'd be, I'd be willing to give up a lot for good relievers. But I would try not to give up any, like, try to avoid giving up any, like, future superstar piece, I guess. But besides that, I'd be willing to give 
like a uh, top 50 prospect, but not a top 15 prospect. Um, and uh, not, not a top 50 hitter, not a top 50 pitcher in the dynasty league, but anything besides that, I would try to overwhelm maybe with a couple top hundred prospects, something like that to get um, some good relievers. Cause they'll, they'll win you your league. And I suppose that's the point. Although the, the artistry of fantasy baseball is also underrated. Just the aesthetic of it. Wait, Jordan, you're actually trying to win your leagues? Uh, secondary motive for me. Uh, <laughs> I just want to build something beautiful first. <laughs> <laughs> and question number two. Uh, we are in, in our contention window and trying to upgrade our shortstop position. What are your thoughts on a trade which we give up Victor Robles and Noah Syndergaard and get Xander Bogarts and Brandon McKay in return? BT Dub, it's nice to hear a few pods ago that I apparently have the same approach to trading as Shelly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I love that trade. I love the Bogarts and McKay side by quite a bit. Yes, me too. Amazing deal. Good job. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Go, 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 go do that. Maybe though I still like Robles from like a steel standpoint. And I, I think that he's going to be a better hero than he showed. Uh, Gideon, Gideon Bogey and McKay. Yeah, that's nice. That's very nice. Yeah, so you've, yeah. you've heard it from us. Um, if Shelly is feeling very comfortable and secure about the deal, that, that means that you have a lot of surplus value in there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Uh, this has been Dynasty Child, part of the Dynasty Guru website. I have been your host, Keaton Grosher. You can find all of us on the Dynasty Guru where um, we, I just finished doing all the rankings, junk, and haven't written anything. Um, Jordan, what have you done? recently um so today i released uh um pitch result data for minor leaguers which hasn't been publicly available um until now so i'm pretty excited about it um bill petty has a baseball package for r the statistical analysis software that made this data accessible you can pull it from the mlb api um so i have those leaderboards updated now for double a and triple a so you can see like uh, called strikes plus swing strikes, for example, uh, foul strikes, uh, expected strikeout and walk metrics, the same kind of things that you can see um, for major leaguers um, through Baseball Savant, for example. It's the same uh, coded variables as Baseball Savant. So I'm going to work on updating the rest of that because I only have AA and AAA right now, but I already I already pulled uh, high A as well, and I'm planning on pull- I just haven't uh, uploaded it to the, the Google Sheet yet. So I want to I want to prepare an article on that and uh, and also update the rest of the minor leagues. But but yeah, that's what uh, is occupying my time these days. I'm super excited about that. By the way, <laughs> super excited. <laughs> yeah. So a little background. Shelly had asked me uh, if if data on minor leaguers like like called strikes and foul strikes were available, and then I was like, oh. Um, I have to try to do this myself. So Shelly um, gave me an inspiration. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Glad we're all helping each other. Uh, Shelly, what have you put out recently? Um, I think sometime soon I have a kind of like a news and notes kind of thing from uh, spring training. Um, but that's, that's really about it. I got a new puppy, you guys. You did. I got a new puppy. <laughs> so, yeah, my, my time has been preoccupied by the new puppy. His name is Soto. So. Ah, coincidence. A strange coincidence. 
Strange clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Soto is adorable. Yeah. Is he getting along? Is uh, he getting along with uh, Orsillo pretty well? Um, he is. Orsillo is still kind of unsure. <laughs> He's like, "What is? What is this toy that's moving and whining? What is this?" That's pretty confusing. <laughs> still hasn't quite understand what's going on. It's pretty confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can find all of us on Twitter. Uh, I am at the Spoken Keats. You can find Shelly at Shelly V underscore six four three. And you can find Jake at Dev Jake, and you can find Jordan at Rose and Jordan Blue. That is going to do it. Have an awesome day, and as always, be the best bird dog you can be. Yeah.